Welcome to Destiny Revival Ministries Sermon of the Week. Thank you for joining us. You can stay up to date through our social media or give from the link in the details. We hope this message blesses you. Well, if you have your Bibles, go with me quickly. I want to try to get something through here. I have, uh, uh, and just to so you know, I'm taking out all my tabs. I was ready, just like I said, you know, you can come ready, then the Holy Spirit sends you in another direction, and that's what we're doing this morning, right now, all right, off the cuff, thank you, Jesus, somebody say, off the cuff. Uh, if you have your Bibles, go, well, you, you uh, uh, well, well, don't worry about this first part right now, Matthew 5, verse 6, you can write that down or remember it, um, you know, it never ceases to amaze me how, you know, you, you come and sometimes you... You, you always want to hear from the Lord and Lord, you know, which, which way are you leading? And, you know, you kind of go with, and we're going to, and then we've got, but at the end of today, I want to call Phoebe. So everybody look at Phoebe. She's all the way there. Say hi, Phoebe. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have her do some, ve- what I consider to be very, very important practical things. Um, and uh, she is going to be the representative of Destiny Church and our spokesperson for all things pertaining to uh, who we uh, set forth as candidates um, in our, at a governmental level, all the way down to the city level, amen? So she's going to be uh, one, she's going to be educating us on who's who in the zoo. She's going to supply us with all kinds of stuff, but I'll let her talk about that and not do all of that right now. But it's amazing that, um, you know, you can come and feel like, okay, well, maybe then you come into the atmosphere of the presence of the Lord and then all of a sudden, boom, now you understand why. Sometimes you're right on the point, not that you missed it, you come prepared and you've heard me say this many times, you, you come like it all, you know, come prepared, like it all depends on you, but you arrive like it all depends on Him. In other words, don't, don't be somebody that flies by the seat of your pants because you'll have a lot of um, um, and you're gonna run out of things to say very, very quickly. So you've gotta be prepared so that you can minister easily out of the overflow. Somebody say wisdom. wisdom. Somebody say that's wisdom. Okay, so, so uh, the, and the Bible says wisdom is the principal thing. One of the things that I, that I believe in thoroughly in the church is that the majority of Christians' problems are not the devil. Um, I, I believe the majority of the Christians' people, not, um, just remember, that's not a blanket statement. I didn't say everybody. I said the majority of Christian people's problems is a lack of wisdom is that, you know, sometimes we're blaming the devil for choices that we make in our everyday life. Quit blaming the devil for poor choices in your own life. Are you with me? It's called just having wisdom. It's called common sense. God wants us to have common sense. Common sense is not so common anymore. And so, you know, we find a lot of people saying, well, the devil really beat me up bad last week. He beat me up this week. And all, everything that's coming out of the mouth is just how much the devil beats them. And, 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 and look, I mean, I understand that the enemy can, can come in. He will use your poor choices to come and, I mean, come and have a heyday. So absolutely, I'm not saying that it's the absence of the enemy. But you can certainly put a stop to it. You know, you can't f- stop the birds from flying above your head, but you can stop them from making a nest in your hair. Are you with me? 
You're not in control over the birds that, how many of you are in control over the birds that have flown over this building this morning? None of you, all right? None, but, but you can certainly stop a bird from making a nest in your head. And there's too many Christians with bird's nests. If we look at them spiritually, they look like those, you know, those ladies from the, uh, you know, back in the 80s that had the birdcage hairstyle, <laughs> except it's just filled with sticks and thistles and all kinds of stuff. There's a big old bald eagle stuck in your head, laid about 20 eggs there. They've had f- several generations of families up in your hair and you've just allowed them to be there. And the problem is, is you need to get rid of that nest and start living in wisdom. Because the whole thing here is God hasn't called us. Listen, God wants us to go from glory to glory, line upon line, precept, faith upon faith. We understand all of that, but God hasn't called us to go from miracle to miracle. Always in a crisis, always needing a miracle, always drama, always, 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 always. Are you with me? Always something. Always. God hasn't called us to always need a miracle. 90% of the time, the miracle you need could have been prevented by wisdom. And, my, and this is my quote. I didn't get it from everybody else. And normally, anyway, even if it wasn't, if you say it three times, it's yours. And I usually quickly do it three times and then I say, I came up with the quote because I've said it three times. But this, this is, um, uh, wisdom today is a miracle prevented tomorrow. Amen. Come on. All right. Now, I don't know why I even went there this morning, but hey, because uh, we've got we to use wisdom, just the bottom line. Amen. Come on, I know this doesn't, we don't like hearing all this stuff sometimes, but we've got to hear it. It says here in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, I'm going to read it here. It says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Somebody say, hunger and thirst. For righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Another translation says, for they shall be filled. The Passion Translation says, actually, blessed are those who Hunger and crave righteousness. I can't remember the second part, but I know it said crave in the first part of it. But they too will be filled. They too will be, the word filled and satisfied is the same definition or the same thing that we're getting at. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Now, how many of you know this? You don't hunger and thirst one time. How many of you realise that you've been hungry at least more than once in your life? How many of you ever been thirsty more than once in your life? How many have been more thirsty more than once in a day? You went out, you were toiling in the heat of the day and you were sweating like nobody's business and you just, I mean, if you could just drink a gallon of water, bless God, you're gonna go drink a gallon of water. Or if you're working out profusely, <laughs> something I'm trying to increase. Thank you, Jesus. I had uh, Brother Jonathan Sunberg, he, he, he's been kind of prodding me and he, he said, please come with me. And I said, I eventually gave in. I went to Planet Fitness with him yesterday morning and I'm not showing you my pain right now because I'm being really brave. But he, he I, had to show, I had to make him see that I could do something, you know what I mean? So I put on a good face for him yesterday, but I'm in pain after the fact, glory to God. But, but anyway, the point of the matter is that those that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. 
So hungering is a more than one time occurrence. Thirsting is a more than one time occurrence. And being filled is a more than one time occurrence. In fact, those that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. The word filled, shall be filled there is always in the present continuous, meaning they shall be filled and filled and filled and filled and satisfied and overflow and overflow and your brimming cup shall overflow. Glory to God, hallelujah. He anoints your head with oil and He causes you to overflow. Amen, come on. God wants us not just to be filled, He wants us to be in the place of overflow. Because anything that fills the vessel belongs to the vessel, but that which is overflowing begins to become the overflow and impacts anybody that's in that proximity. If I took a water bottle or a a glass of water and it was an eight ounce cup and I took a 16 ounce bottle and proceeded to fill up the eight ounce glass of water and I just continued, well, guess what? Eight ounces belongs to the glass. The extra eight ounces is an overflow. Then if I carried on pouring it right right here in this approximate location, it's gonna begin to saturate Brother Paul. Amen? The overflow, the spillover. God wants us to be spillover Christians. He wants us to spill out wherever we are. Praise God. Those that hunger and thirst, you know, and, and uh, so, so, so it's continuously, amen? amen? It's like your, your car. You don't put an oil, you don't put oil in your engine, you know, you, <laughs> once and that's it, glory to God, I put my oil in my car, thank you, Jesus, even so, Lord, come until Jesus comes, I'm covered, I put oil in my car. Come on, you're gonna keep on putting oil in your lamp. Come on. You gotta keep and and not only that, you need to you can't just say, well I've got enough oil and and I'm just gonna stick because after a while your oil's gonna start to get rancid. Amen. And there's something to be continuously filled where there is a continuous circulation, there is a continuous place of remaining Fresh in God. In other words, you are fresh. You don't, you, you, you're not giving out rancid oil from some revelation that the church was stuck with 30 years ago. Now you done camped out and that's all there is about God that you know and bless God, nothing else exists out there except what you know. Are you with me? Come on. God is, you know, God is wanting us to increase. Now, you know, on the other side of that coin, is that of course we understand that for it's going to take the realm of eternity, the eternal realm, to, for us to begin to understand the mysteries of the greatness and the bigness of Almighty God. And here we are on earth thinking that we've got it cornered. You know, we've got it cornered. Uh, we, we've got it all. Are you with me? Um, we can't afford to become stale. And I'm saying that for your own good, because how many of you ever smelled some rancid oil before? And that's what religion smells like. Come on. Yeah. 
Hallelujah. So I'm saying all of that to say this, is, is I believe that God is wanting us to have a mighty encounter with Him. Encountering God. I know that He is in us, He's fully present with us, but some of us, even though that is the truth, that, 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 that even though you know that that's the truth, He's on the inside of you, the, the degree to which He is manifest through you, that's another dimension. So it's not like, you know, any one of you, you know, everybody's anointed in this room. How much of Him are you letting out? There's not one that's less or one that's greater. One has hungered and thirsted after righteousness. Now, well, you're going to get me getting on the treadmill of performance and, and you're going to make me work, work, work so that I can discuss. No, it's got nothing. You should. It's desire. It's out of the desire. I desire to know Him more. I desire to grow in Him. It's not like, okay, like, you know, we can't put God in a formula. You know, the anointing and, and, and revival and all of that. That's not a revival, it's not a formula. Revival is a manifestation of a hungry heart, of, of, of somebody that hungers and thirsts after righteousness, that, is, that, is, that desires God and goes after Him from the internal understanding that God is for them, He's not against them. And they begin to erupt with a response to spend time in the presence of God and you begin to encounter Him. Let me just say this right now. The Bible declares, you know, Moses, Moses was out the backseat of the desert. Guess what? He has an encounter with God, but before he has an encounter with God, he is, how many of you know, there's Moses and the story that we you do in Sunday school with the children in the beautiful little, you know, in the beautiful little basket and Moses finds his way into Egypt and he's taken in and, and uh, he's cared for just like an Egyptian and, and, and for a long period of time, all of a sudden he knows that he comes out of Egypt and he sees one of his Egyptian brothers, one of his Israelite brothers, sorry. Uh, uh, he, he knows he's, a, he's an Israelite, but he's, an, he's, he's been taken in like an Egyptian. He sees an Israelite being done wrong and he fights one of the guys ends up killing him. And the next day they say, are you gonna kill us too? And then he flees for 40 years. Come on. Moses understood that there was a call, that there was something there and he was trying to accomplish something in the flesh, ended up killing. He, you know, anyway, the point is, I don't wanna get, because that's a whole nother message. I wanna get rather to the point that I'm getting at. He has this burning bush experience. Moses, take off your sandals, take off your shoes, take off your Nikes, take off your Versace's. Are you with me? For the place you are standing is holy ground. Moses, up until now, you have been walking in your shoes, the shoes of the flesh. I'm going to now put on the shoes of the Spirit. 
Spirit, are you with me? You're gonna step into my call from today, Moses. This encounter is gonna change you. And he sees a bush that's burning, but never is consumed. And he has an encounter with God that completely and officially, that is the day that I would say that the full, that, that anointing for the call and purpose that was to be before him. I mean, he stuttered, he couldn't even talk straight. Are you with me? And, and, and God anoints him as he has this encounter and he is used now as the deliverer of the children of Israel out of Egypt. He is a type of Christ bringing deliverance to the people of God. I'm not kidding because I could stay here for a few weeks on the story of Moses and this encounter. I'm kind of like hustling here. The next person, and by the way, you can go look in Acts. You'll see the story of Moses, exactly what I'm telling you. Then just a couple of chapters later, you'll see how Saul has an encounter with God. God knocks him off the horse. He falls to the ground. The glory of God is so strong. He's blind. He can't see. Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you? And he has a divine encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you spoke about a little bit about this morning. In fact, you spent some time in my message. You read my notes, which I don't have. (laughs) Holy Ghost, amen. So he has a divine encounter and Saul, who is the greatest, look, watch this now, the greatest persecutor of the church. God encounters him and changes his name from Saul to Paul. Paul becomes the, the, I would say, the prominent apostle of the New Testament church that ends up writing two thirds, wasn't even an eyewitness like the other apostles that spent time physically with Jesus. Are you with, with me? He wasn't there with Jesus when he physically was with the others. Yet, that is, that is a, a, another demonstration to you and I this morning that you didn't have to be right there physically with Jesus to have a revelation so powerful you end up writing two thirds of the New Testament. God's grace, actually God's wisdom set Paul up, not even to have been one who physically walked with him, but he had an encounter. He went away in the wilderness for a long period of time where he was taught by Jesus every bit of the revelation. When he came back, they wanted to make sure if he was good because guess what? He was, isn't that the one that persecuted the church? And then when they sat with him, they heard the revelations and the thing. They said, oh, surely, okay. So they accepted him into the brethren. But I'm saying he had such a powerful revelation, but yet he wasn't. And that is Paul is actually much more like you and I than the others. Why? Because they weren't physically with Jesus. And the capacity God, look at the capacity God used him in. And that is just like us. We all have the capacity to be used like the Apostle Paul. So we can say, well, that was good with them. They got to be with Jesus. Like we're not. He's with us. He's in you. 
We're seated with him in heavenly places. Oh, glory to God. Everything that he had on earth, everything that he has has been given to us. Everything that he operated in, like, some, uh, like we heard this morning, it isn't he didn't come to the earth to show us, he didn't come to the earth to, to show us what he could do. He came to the earth to say, look at what you can do. And Paul was the, the poster child of understanding what he could do because of what Jesus did. But he has an encounter. Jesus had an encounter. He did. What do you think happened? How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Come on, Acts chapter 10. I believe it's in verse 26. Let me just go here real quick. And then I'm, I'm going to draw this thing to a close here. Acts chapter 10. Let me just see here. Uh, or was it 28? Come on, y'all help me here. 30? 38, sorry. Thank you. You know, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. When, when Jesus was, come on, when he was baptised, but the whole of the heavens opened up. The Holy Spirit came down like a dove. And you, the voice of the Father cried out, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, hear ye Him. I mean, it was done so that prophecy could be fulfilled. Are you with me? The baptism of John was so that, that you know, a, a ministry, a baptism of repentance. But the baptism of John was also one, one day, one greater than I is coming and the greater than John came and His name is Jesus and the heavens opened up to confirm all of that. Are you with me? The Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit all coming into a perfect union, declaring the manifestation of the Messiah on the earth. Are you with me? He had an encounter. <laughs> that is why we can experience the glory of God, that we can come into a corporate setting. But, but I wanna take you a little bit deeper and I don't wanna push you into a works program here, but I am going to tell you the foundation of the message today that those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Those that hunger and thirst, I come on, those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. Let me just go ahead and say, like righteousness isn't something that we're chasing rather than it is the understanding that righteousness is a person and His name is Jesus. Those that hunger and thirst after the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One and what He accomplished at the cross, not just Jesus, meek and mild, not just Jesus at the cross and what He did, the resurrected Christ is what released to us the power of God to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the earth. The resurrected Christ is that Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren. Come on, that Jesus was the first prototype and many more just like Him would 
would be coming. Come on, are you with me? Jesus is our big brother and we are the little brothers and sisters of the Lord Jesus Christ in the earth having an encounter with Him. We know He's good, but there is so much more. Get in the, come on, get under the, the glory of God. Get under the cloud where the glory comes out so He can give you a cloud. Hallelujah. And then you can shout, hallelujah. This is what I'm going to end off with here. And I'm not copying a story because I've heard similar stories. I don't care about the similar stories. I'm telling you my story. You can't take it away from me. And that's that. But I remember around about the, the, the uh, 30th of June, 1996, when I knew, I knew that 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 if something didn't change in my life, I was either gonna end up dead or in jail. Fact. And then I knew that I needed to give my life to the Lord. I knew that was a revelation that came to me. I need God because I'm gonna end up dead or in jail. I need the help of God because I am not in control outside of Him coming in. And I went to my mom and dad and I told them every, I mean, it was confession time. I mean, I confessed all my sins, everything I'd done, even before I was in my mother's room. No, I couldn't, no, sorry. I confessed everything that, I mean, I was, look, you understand, the desperation was as I came and laid the cards on the table and they looked at me in shock, but at the same time, knowing full well what the answer, well, they said, you know what you gotta do? And I'm like, okay, yes, I know, just, you know, this is already hard enough. I'm coming to him. There's a little bit of pride in that too, but I knew I needed the Lord and I submitted my life, surrendered my life. At the moment that I got the Lord and I asked the Lord to come in, at that very moment was the very moment I knew exactly what I was gonna do with my life. Instantaneously. Everything changed. I knew God called me to pre- preach the gospel to wherever my feet would go. That's the other part of the message is God's given me a vision behind a pulpit preaching and He said to me, son, as long as you're preaching, I will bless you. As long as you are preaching my word, I will take care of you. So I know as long as I'm preaching the word, I'm good. And He's so faithful. He's so faithful. But a month after that, while I was dealing with the enemy, trying to wrestle with the condition that he had had my mind in. When I tell you that I thought that I had committed the unpardonable sin, I thought I'd committed the unpardonable sin. I knew I was gonna be serving the Lord and I didn't know how I was gonna get there or how I would ever be free. I gave my life to the Lord, but I was dealing with a monumental blockage in my brain that told me and convinced me that I had committed the unpardonable sin. So for about 30 days, I had a true sense of understanding of what it would possibly feel like to be separated from God. Because I thought I was, there's no, I can't, I'm beyond salvation. That's what I was wrestling with. Man, I tell you what, the horror and the torment 
and suicide wasn't an option because I, I ain't in a hurry to, to take my own life to be separated from God forever. So whatever it's gonna take, put me in a straitjacket. But I can tell you this, I had this Bible and I'm telling you, without being religious, I knew it was the only thing that I had while I had breath in my body. And I probably slept probably two hours a night for that first month. I couldn't even, some nights I didn't get sleep. I thought I was losing my mind. Just giving you my story here. Is this okay? I don't want to take a lot of time, but I've got, I've got to tell you, I don't always get the time to tell you this stuff. I remember one morning, I was in such fear. Now you would think, I live in a home, my mom and dad are preachers. Hey mom, I've committed an impotable sin. Do you think? And I didn't want to, I did not even want to tell them that because I was convinced that I had already committed the unpardonable sin. And if I go and ask them, I don't want them to confirm it. So I'm just gonna keep to myself in my torment. And so I go down. I go down into my, my dad's library of videos and there's one video cassette VHS. <clears throat> Some of you are like, yeah, praise God, he knows what a VHS is. And, and, and there's, a, there's a video, there's a VHS tape with no label on it. And I decide to take that one out and I wanna watch it. Now we live in an environment where it's so humid on the central plateau of this island, the humidity so bad that it, it, there was humidity on the tape. How many of you know the cassette tapes and the VHS tape? There was humidity on it. You can put a VHS tape into, with humidity into the VHS player because it's gonna come up with lines and it won't play. So I took a screwdriver, jimmied the thing, wiped it ever so gently like, like, a, like a mad scientist. I opened this thing up, cleaned it off, kind of put some warm air on it, closed it back up, put it in. <laughs> and it's Jimmy Swaggart. And he's preaching a message called the unpardonable sin. And his opening line was, as he played the piano, how many of you know Jimmy playing on that piano? He said, if you're here today, let me help you with starting out with my message on the, on the unpardonable sin. He says, if you're here and you're in torment thinking you've committed the unpardonable sin, he said, let me help you and set you free today by mere virtue of you being under such conviction he said, I wanna let you know, saint of God, that you have not committed the unpardonable sin because there's conviction happening in your life. You are free from that bondage right now. And just like that, in a split second, God freed me. Every bit of torment left the door. The enemy was having his, having his I mean, honestly, I, had, had, I wanted to go to my mom and dad and take me to a mental asylum. Lock me up, put me in a straitjacket. But when I say I literally had a sense or a glimpse of what it would be like to be separated from God for whatever period of time that was, I, was, I, felt, I felt what it would feel like. 
And it wasn't a great place to be. I can't even begin to describe how awful of a feeling it was. And yet I was saved, completely saved, but yet warring with a stronghold that I was dealing with. That the enemy had put me into such a place that I could not even open my mouth to talk about it. I was held captive in torment at the lie of the devil. Two weeks after that, I said to the Lord, I said, you've got to touch me. Just hungry for God. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. 30th of June, 1996. I remember I was in the bathroom. I went to the bathroom. I mean, I'm not trying to be rude and this is not dishonouring God or anything. I went to the bathroom, sitting down, minding my own business. And I remember I was in a place of just wanting a touch from God. And it was beyond my physical strength Everything inside of me just wanted to encounter God. It was beyond, I, I, uh, in my, in my, uh, I, uh, th- there was no other way I could begin to present myself to God in, in the fact that I wanted His touch. That I had no strength anymore. And I remember just sitting on the bathroom and saying, Lord, you've got to touch me. And it wasn't shouting, it wasn't hollering, it wasn't anything. I walked out of the bathroom and within five minutes, I started to feel a heat in my belly. And now you've got to understand, I've been going through some pretty crazy stuff at this period. I mean, like God has removed all these, but now I'm not understanding what's going on. So I go to the kitchen, I drink a glass of water, I drink another glass of water. This heat is still there, it's not going away. And I sit down and it goes from my belly into my hands to where the edge of my fingers felt like, and my hands actually went in, sorry guys, I had this encounter and that's the way it is. How many of you realise that when you put your finger into a, a lightning socket, when, when you touch electricity, your hands, if this way it's gonna bounce off, this way it's gonna clamp, your muscles contract. And my hands went up into the air and my, hand, my fingers were contracting and it was like lightning bolts were coming out of my hands and all I could do was go, ah! I began to scream because it was over, it was beyond anything that I could do. My mind is freaking out. At the same time, I'm sensing complete and total peace. My mom and her friend walked down the glory of God. They said, What's this? They can feel the glory of the Lord. Obviously, they're looking at me, realizing I'm getting touched. I'm having an encounter with God, which lasted probably about 30 or 40 minutes to where I could breathe and yet just groan at the same time. And that was it, folks. I was never the same again after that. Never the same. I've had multiple encounters since then. But what I'm trying to say is that, is that the Lord birthed His calling and His ministry inside me out of an encounter with Him. And if you look at the men of God, you look at the woman of God, that, that, that God has done significant, you will find, you will go back to a place and you will see that 
somewhere in their walk with the Lord, there's been an encounter from God that changed absolutely everything. And an encounter with God didn't die with the apostles of old. There's no more cessationism. What was available to us in the book of Acts is available to us now. What was available to the early apostles is available to the church because there's a rise that is going on that the gifts have all ceased. We don't have to walk in the power. We don't have the power of God. We have the power of God and an encounter from God is available to you as it was available to me and He will continue to touch you and you will continue to be filled from glory to glory to glory to glory because He's faithful. If you hunger and thirst after righteousness, not you, maybe you shall be filled. And that encounter was when I was 21 years old. Twenty-one years old. You're not too young, you're not too old. When I was four years old, I'm just going to say this last story, I promise. Some of you are looking at me like, hey, I need to go to lunch. Would you please end now? But I believe this story will bless you. I don't talk about it all the time. I believe I was four or five years old. I was running a very high fever. And now I wasn't having an hallucination. But I remember I, I, I felt like, I'd encountered something demonic. My mom came and prayed in the room and took authority over that. And then I was lying in her bed. And all of a sudden, she was sleeping. There was an immense peace in the room and Jesus walked right into the room. And he sat down on the bed right next to me and he took my favorite little car and he was pushing it next to me and playing with me at five years old. So my mom, to test this, said to me, I said to her, mom, mom, Jesus came and he, and he was pushing the car right next to me. And I remember just, uh, it was kind of like, it was kind of the sense of, he pushed the car with me and, and I remember it clearly and vividly. And then all of a sudden I was sleep, awake in the morning. Kind of like when you go into surgery. Like he showed up. How many of you ever had that feeling when you go into surgery? It's like, whoo, glory. I don't know about you, but I have a glorious feeling. I just go like, whoa, this is great. I'm just suddenly as calm as anything. And then boom, I'm blank, I'm out. Uh, maybe you've had a negative experience in surgery, but like, hey, that was like amazing. You can have this little bit of tenseness going on and then they put whatever in there and it's like, everything's gonna be fine. This is great. You know, then boom, you're out. The best description I can give you of that encounter was, it was like Holy Ghost and ascetic. He came in, the peace of God was so overwhelming. It put me into a deep sleep. The next morning I said, Mom, Jesus came and He played cars with me. She's like, what? Yeah, and I told her, He played with my car and that car was gone. Nobody could find it. So she said, well, where did Jesus put the car? 
I said, Mom, he put it in the closet at the top behind the clothes. That's where it is. I could not climb up there, y'all. I could not get up there. There was no ways. And so she put her hand, took out the car. The car was right there. We'd been looking for it for three or four weeks or five weeks. can tell you of many, many encounters with the Lord, even as a young boy. Doesn't make me special. All I recall, except for that moment when Jesus came, the other encounters, even before I was 21 years old and I surrendered my life to the Lord, I can tell you this, the other encounters that I had, seven, eight, nine years old, high fever, sitting in bed at home, not at school, worshiping. I remember just worshiping God, worship songs, singing to the Lord at eight, nine years old. The power of God, the presence of God just comes, boom, and touches me. I run down to the run downstairs and Mom, Dad, I'm healed, I'm fine. Completely healed. Completely healed. And it's okay to say, well, if you can do it for him, you can do it for me. Because he will, he's faithful. Amen. Hallelujah. Say that say this would be those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. Those that hunger and thirst after Jesus shall be filled and filled and filled and filled. He will continuous continuously fill you and continuously allow His life, His goodness, His guidance, His revelation, His direction to continuously be at work with you in every part of your life, in your decision-making process. And He will also be the wisdom of God through the power of the Holy Spirit to you. Amen? Come on, say this with me. I am going from glory to glory. Say, I'm going from glory to glory. And from this day, I will walk in wisdom in every part of my life. Lord, help me to recognize and discern the spirit of wisdom where it needs to be applied. That I want to, as a child of God, take responsibility and repent for poor choices. And I thank You, Holy Spirit. I ask You to come and lead me on the right path of good decision-making so that my future is set on track, that the destiny of God and all the purposes of God will fully be made manifest for my life in Jesus' Name. If you love the Lord, then shout Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, 
you are lovingly released. For those of you watching by way of live stream, thank you for joining with us today. If you want to go ahead and sow into the ministry, go to www.destinyrevivalministries.com. Click on the Your Support button where you can give safely and securely. If you are in the United States, you can go ahead and click the word give to the following number. It is 337-434-3777. You'll get a link. You can uh, text that, that, well, click on the link once you text the word give to that number. You can give safely and securely. For those of you in here, y'all know what to do. If you're not here and you are here for the first time and you want to sow a seed, then go ahead and write your checks out to DRM or Destiny Revival Ministries. The envelopes are to my right, your left, and you can just pop it in the offering basket over there. Hallelujah. Somebody say, Jesus is Lord. All right, go and be blessed in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.